This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grant Haven Campground. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's Playground. But first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. Coming up today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we don't talk directly about fishing, but something that's very key to most of us being able to go fishing, and that's boat landings. We also talk fishing piers and trails. Dave Schatzko, the Area Parks and Trails Supervisor, joins me next. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfast. Visit Bemidji one step further. I'm Bruce Jean, and this is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we're not going to directly talk about fishing and and hunting, uh, but we're going to talk about a key part of fishing in this area, and that is about boat landings, fishing piers, and the things that we need to get on the water. Dave Schatzko is here. He is the Area Parks and Trails Supervisor. Dave, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, I'm glad, not glad I could be here. Thanks, Cal. So let's talk a little bit, first of all, about most of us can't get on the water without uh, boat landings or at least a fishing pier to cast a line off of. Um, do you know off the top of your head how many uh, you have to oversee for boat landings? Yeah, basically I have about, in my area, seven counties. Um, there's about 258. Wow. And so basically if you look at a map, like there's uh, DNR public water access uh, for every county. There's a map on the DNR website. And, for instance, I, I looked at Beltrami County last night, and there's um, we, the DNR manages 37 PWAs, public water accesses. Uh, there's 66 total in uh, Beltrami County, and you can see that on our website. Um, so basically tribes, counties, townships, U.S. Forest Service, the city uh, cities like Bemidji, Turtle River, uh, city of Turtle River, for example. So there's quite a few, but it, it seems like most of the counties, the DNR has the over 50%, and so we have a big bulk of, of those. Now, um, let's kind of review what it takes to get one of those ready for the year. What What is the process you go through every year to get those boat landings ready for us? Yeah, and it starts pretty early in the winter, of course. Um, and so in the winter, we bid out, um, like I have 91 uh, portable toilets. Um, at, at our boat landings. And, of course, that doesn't add up to how many boat landings we have. Some of the smaller ones, we just can't afford to, to put a, a, a portable toilet there. Um, but every year we do seem to add a couple more, and if it's a paved lot, we'll try and put a handicapped toilet on there. Um, 
so basically it kind of starts with that with getting we have a bunch of vendors that uh, we that bid we bid it out to and following up with that then we uh, we hire the sentence to serve in a few counties to mow some of our boat landings and then there's a few counties that we actually pay the sentence to serve crew uh, to, uh, to to mow for us so that kind of starts out in the winter and then in this come spring we start looking around uh, and seeing what kind of ice damage we're dealing with as you know, uh, some of these ramps push with the ice heave. You saw kind of what happened on Lake Bemidji this mm-hmm. year. You know, when people kind of wonder, well, why don't you put it in the, in the docks right away? Well, because sometimes the ice will move across the lake, and all of a sudden it's on top of your dock. And, and so we, don't, we want to make sure the lakes are ice-free before we put the docks in. Um, so basically, uh, I have to predict kind of when my crew is going to come back and guess when the, when the ice is going to be out. And, um, you know, we don't want them back too early, so they're sitting around, but yet, you have to give them notice, of course. So they come back and they start evaluating the ramps. And uh, when they do get back, then they start to go around and, and fix the really bad ramps. And a lot of those that are damaged by the ice, we will just do a Band-Aid, you know, make them usable for the opener. And then we'll come back after the opener and make sure everything's ready to go. And, of course, we try and get all the docks in. Uh, some years there's maybe half a dozen docks that we don't quite get in. Um, you know, we just kind of run out of time and... If it's windy and things like that, the crew just it takes them a little bit longer. And then with all the blowholes and the power loading, and we can maybe talk about that later. But so that's basically creating a big uh, hole behind the ramp. So when the crews go to put the the docks in, a lot of times it's it's very tricky, and and they have to. It's really difficult to level them. So it takes a little bit longer sometimes. Um, so basically, then uh, you know we get the the docks in, and and then we come back throughout the summer and continue to adjust those and. And go around and, and uh, you know take a look at our signs, and uh, and just kind of keep a, an eye on things. So okay, yeah. So let's go to that. What what is a blowhole? Okay, basically power loading is is, is kind of getting worse uh, each year, and basically it's it's uh, I guess the main cause is just uh, the bigger horsepower boats motors that are out there. Um, you know, 20 years ago when when I started over in Tower. You know, this really wasn't a problem with the 14-foot boats and the 25-horsepower motors. And But now on Lake Bemidji, for example, I've seen some 350-horsepower motors. And what happens is when they're loading, um, they'll give it the throttle, and then it creates this turbulence, um, which causes a huge hole, which then causes a mound about 30, 40 feet out. And um, we've dumped rocks at the end of the, of, of, the, of the cement planks so people don't fall off and get hung up with their axle. But then a lot of times those motors are so powerful they'll push those rocks out onto the mound further out. And then they back into those with the motor. And so what we've, you know, years ago we tried hog slats from hog uh, uh, facilities. And instead of our typical 12-inch planks that are 12 inches wide, we went with like a 5-foot wide plank. So that somewhat deflects a little bit better the water they're quicker to put in and and we've learned that we have to kind of uh, uh, decrease the angle on the ramps and, and, and kind of point it down so it deflects the uh, um, the prop um, okay. and so that's kind of helped but otherwise uh, you know we've tried dredging we've dredged Wolf Lake and Grace Lake and a few others Tulabi uh, but we can't dredge every lake of course and it, it's just, uh, you know, we have to get permits for that, especially if you go out beyond 30 feet. And then, uh, for instance, on Wolf Lake, we had to leave the spoil sit for two months and, and uh, dewater, and, and then the contractor had to come back and, and remove the spoils because there's zebra mussels in that, 
in that lake, and we just didn't want to take any chances with uh, spreading that. You know, one of the things that very seldom happens, but occasionally happens, we have an extremely mild uh, late winter into spring, and the, the water opens up quite a bit early, and people are dying to get on the water. Can you get going on on them, or is there a, kind of a set time that you, you have to do the boat ramps? Pretty much as soon as the uh, as soon as the ice is gone, you know okay. we, um, you know we try and generally get the crew back the same time every year. And basically, some years if the ice goes out early, uh, we'll do our training after the docks and the ramps. Everything's ready, you know. We'll, but otherwise, typically we'll do all their training before, you know, kind of mm-hmm. while we're waiting for the ice to to melt and things get get going fast. Um, so basically, as soon as the ice is gone, like I said, but. Of course, the ice doesn't go out on the lakes evenly. Um, you know, we have patterns and loops and things that we, because uh, with seven counties, and uh, I have a crew in, in Park Rapids, a crew in Bemidji, and then I share the Brainerd crew, and so they have different loops they make. And, of course, the further you go south, they can get started, like the Brainerd crew in Cass, southern Cass County especially can get going, you know, a week or two early. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it, uh, you know, can't just make a loop because, um, also, uh, if you look at some of our maps online, um, the p- public water access maps, they have invasive species. Uh, uh, some of the lakes are circled in orange. Um, so basically, we try and save those for last. Like I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they were upset Leech Lake didn't go in right away. And, and I said, well, we're trying to do a few of these other lakes first and, and do the contaminated lakes last uh, just to avoid as much as possible any chance of jumping from water to water right you know doing the contaminated lakes uh last and uh so so a lot of people don't understand the methods to our uh, madness but uh you know we think about that a lot uh, the ais for example um we're, we got five new docks now we're putting out in uh, like on campbell lake and a few other lakes around here we're putting out docks so the old dock that will pull out um basically my policy is we let those sit over the winter um, on the boat landing, and then a lot of times we'll find a home for them in another state park, or we'll put them on min bid, and people can go out and bid on those. Um, but that eliminates any question whatsoever if they survived a Minnesota winter. I don't think so. Um, you know, I just don't want to take any chances just going with the normal, you know, short time period that uh, is required. Sure. Now I know um, obviously the the AIS thing makes perfect sense, but all things being equal, uh, I'm assuming there are Highly popular lakes that are, you, re, you you probably need to get those those things ready quicker than maybe some other lakes. Yeah, that being said, um, you know I, my crew turns over a little bit because they are seasonal jobs, and so they some of them continue to find full time full time mm-hmm. jobs and that kind of thing. But I know a couple of years ago that happened where um, the Northwoods boat landing, which uh, you know I guess I bought half of that, or the DNR did. We expanded that in my time here. Um, but my crew, uh, a couple years ago, they, they put that one in about almost dead last, and they were putting all these little tiny little lakes in. And so uh, my boss kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, don't let that happen again. And I, I agree with my boss, boss 100%. My crew just, um, for whatever reason, and it being a, a mile from our office, you know, it was pretty hard for me to, you know, defend that situation. So, uh, but it that was kind of a one-time thing, and I think they got the message. And Yeah. 
So um, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, we've had plenty of water this year, no question, but uh, by and large in our area. Last year, obviously, drought, and it was real tough getting on uh, a lot of lakes. And, and did that have any damage or effects on some of the landings? Yeah, we. Um, it seemed like we had a lot more people that were uh, experiencing problems in launching. And uh, part of that is they had to they had to back their boats out further into the lake. Um, and our ramps only go out so far, and, and uh, part of that is it's difficult to work underwater, um, and part of that is, uh, you know, you can only go out so far without getting a permit. Um, but especially as these pontoons get bigger and longer, you know, it seems like uh, people are having more problems. And, and so add that blowhole problem into it, and all of a sudden you're falling off the ramp. Mm. Um, so people are getting hung up. And, and so that was a continual problem, the crews continue to visit these sites but trying to to jump from site to site and keep up with that and then do all our other duties with bike trails and uh, horse trails and everything else it it uh you know sometimes you'll get a call that you know after the fact and they got their boat hung up or something like that we hate to see that but you know what happens and the, the good thing is that a lot of people reach out and talk to us and call us um, I mean, we don't want people just to n- not say anything. We n- want to know about problems because some of these smaller sites we only maybe get to a couple times a year um, just because of the remoteness and the, and the big area that we have. Dave Schatzko, my guest today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. He is the area supervisor for Parks and Trails. We're talking about boat ramps. He's also in charge of fishing piers and trails, and there's still a ton more to cover with Dave coming up. I'm Will Pampoose and Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors because Ted Jackson needs all the help he can get. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu. I'm Chuck Hassey of Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and you're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Dave Chotsko is the DNR Area Parks and Trails Supervisor. We are talking about boat accesses, a very important part of fishing for most of us. And Dave, a lot of times, you know, you see a new access go in, and you're going, yeah, that makes perfect sense, like the Northwoods access. You know, that's a, that's a great place to have, to have an access. Um, what goes in the process of, of getting new accesses, and how do you determine where they go? I could be here for an hour on that one, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I got my feet wet over in Tower for 10 years, and, um, you know, my supervisor over there would send me out looking for sites, for sale signs, or things like that, and on lakes that we felt needed uh, a better access, uh, or a new access. And luckily, our division, you know, 30 years ago, had the foresight to really be going full speed and and developing, uh, you know, these boat landings because uh, it's really slowed down. Um, I think in my 15 years, I've, I've bought about 12 boat landings here, or we have, um, and half of those have been add-ons. Um, like the Northwoods, for example, was only half that size when I got here, and the place next door went for sale, and so we bought it. And so that's been the case half the time, and a lot of that is the you know, look at the size of uh, pickups and things, and, mm-hmm. and boats especially. We've kind of, I think our lines are about 54 feet now, and we're kind of stopping. You know, hopefully they don't keep getting longer than that. <laughs> um, so that was part of it. But um, so fast forward over here, um, um, 
like I say, you, you kind of look for lakes that, uh, like Detroit Lakes is one that we bought a few years ago back in, uh, well, we're going to probably develop that next year. Um, it's probably been about six years since we bought it. So what goes into that, for example, in Big Sand Lake, um, we bought the, the lot next door once again, and we just built that and finished that um, about a month ago. Um, so basically, it's a lot of it is kind of, uh, you know, user demand. Um, is, is the access on the lake already sufficient? Uh, you know, is it such a big lake? Like Detroit Lakes was horrible. Um, there was nothing really. Uh, people were parking out on the road, and it was just horrible for that size of lake in yeah. an urban area. Um, so a lot of it is just um, experience and uh, just um, – and then there's lakes that um, – you know, there's some lakes that fisheries maybe doesn't promote uh, because they aren't good for fishing, you know, and we always consult with them, of course. Um, and they suggest certain areas we go after. Um, but basically it's kind of slowed down in the last few years. Um, we, I don't know if – and that's not all a bad thing with AIS. Uh, right. You know, maybe it's just – and the good – the silver lining in that is uh, – some of these sites that we've bought in the last 10 years, oh, and finally, uh, like Big Toad is an example. We're just starting the design on that. That's down in Becker County. And I know some people from Bemidji actually go way down there and fish that. So that's the silver lining is we're catching up with this, uh, you know, this growth spurt that we had in buying all these sites because, uh, you know, once we start, we buy this, we have public meetings and, and we get an option and we buy it and then starts the, des- the design and then showing people the design, the lake associations and the public, and then basically finding the money to build it, um, it, it, it's, it takes quite a, a bit. And then, of course, there's certain people that don't want to see it and have different ideas. And, uh, but at those public meetings, we pretty much, here's our, you know, here's our rationale and our reasoning. And um, you know, it seems like people have an understanding. Because in a lot of cases, we're improving sites that are there already. We're giving people a place to pull over to look for AIS um, and, uh, you know, better parking and just stormwater management and and uh, ADA accessibility uh, is built into everything nowadays. And so it just, uh, like the one on Big Sand, we had a couple people that were calling me nonstop. Um, you know, they weren't really happy with the design and just, uh, you know, it was a change. and. Mm-hmm. But then I know one of them, or both of them, called me in the last month, and uh, the one said I need to take you out for lunch, and um, and he was really hard on us at first this whole year. But then he saw the light, and um, you know now he's like a hundred percent satisfied, and so that's a that's a good feeling. That, you yeah. know, we listen to the people. If, you know, the na- immediate neighbors wanted a fence, and we we tried to design a fence that they liked out of a species they liked, and. You know, we, we want to hear from people and work together with our neighbors. Um, you know, I can think of about four or five lakes off the top of my head I would love to see a public access on. And uh, I, I was just telling you, I have a friend who lives on one of them, and he, he, he would never want to see a public access on. So I know there's that kind of uh, give and take as well. Um, how, how does that play out if there's a great public demand? Hey, I, we want to get on that lake. How, how do you work through that? It's it's tough. Um you know, because a lot of times people will go to their uh, legislative officials, and that's happened on just about every boat landing I've bought. <laughs> and, um, but basically we, uh, you know, we try and consult with, uh, once we get the option, we try and consult with a bunch of people early, uh, including our legislators and, uh, or the county. 
and try and give them a heads up here here's what we're here's what we're hoping to do so when their constituents come to them they're ready um, like the big sand one for example any of these that we've bought uh, we've been uh, the ones we went after uh, the sites we went after we were successful and um, of course we do our homework before we get to that point we make sure, sure there's a good road into it and you know we just our, our internal experience from doing so many of these you kind of know you know what uh, you know what we need to look for in buying a site but um so yeah it's there's some sites though that uh are somewhat off limits because they're uh you know there's not we're not hearing a demand to go to some of those lakes um you know from people and uh you know some of those probably would get very controversial mm -hmm. um i can think of stump lake for example um got controversial a long long time ago and uh, you know I've looked for sites on that uh, on that lake, but at the, uh, for the time being, right now, um, I guess to answer the bottom of that question is uh, to find a good site, Kev. Mm -hmm. You know, you you need to find uh, good topography so you you don't have to back your boat out halfway across the lake, of course. And we like a good road going to it, so we don't have to travel by through a bunch of neighborhoods and down dusty roads. Um, and uh, just a whole bunch of things is what's the size of the site. Um, I know I'm trying. I'm selling, or the DNRs. We're selling a couple sites that were bought before I arrived here. That one of those was a wetland, and uh, the other was a huge cliff with a wetland. And so we moved down the shoreline and bought something else. But we're selling those right now. Uh, they're going to the legislature for approval. Um, but that was back 25 years ago too, when laws were different about wetlands, and we, uh, you know, maybe weren't as is wise to what to you know to do with these sites or what to look for, um, but a big part of that, Kev, is just timing. Um, you know, there's a few lakes that I would I have my eye on, but um, you know, the, you know, we don't want to buy something with a million dollar house on it. We have moved houses off of some of these, but um, if it's very expensive to buy that piece of property, and um, or you know, for many, you know, you got to be careful what you buy. Sometimes we'll demolish a house if nobody wants to to bid on it and haul it away. Um, but timing, it's just you know, some of these uh, are maybe a once in a career. Uh, you know, you'll find a spot on that boat landing, and we've been very fortunate with a lot of these add-ons where uh, they were just old houses that uh, needed to be tore down anyway. Um, and so it's been working out. And in fact, the one in Detroit Lakes on the south side. I had a house on either side, and so I picked the leveler site that uh, fit into our plans better, and we ended up buying that. And then at that design meeting in Detroit Lakes, the neighbors actually said, a lot of them said they found me another spot, or the DNR another spot on the other side of the lake, and said, here, why don't you go after this one? And so we did, and um, so that lake is going to have adequate access now, a lot better than it did. It is amazing to me that that it had very little access, as as big and as popular as that lake is. Yeah, Detroit yeah. Lakes basically had a DOT by the Holiday Inn on the north end is is really all it had, and then it had uh, on the city beach in Detroit Lakes it had three or four just roads that ended at the lake, but the DOT with that expansion of Highway 10 through town, um, you know, people were just parking along a side road, and mm -hmm. so like you said, for that size of lake, it was. Uh, it was very, uh, very much uh, needed improvement. And so this, uh, you know, everybody agreed that it needed for, you know, in a big urban, it'd be like Bemidji here with, with just, uh, you know, one little access. Let's talk a little bit about trails as well. You had mentioned uh, before we got on the air a number of trails. Um, so that's another whole bunch of miles of, of things you have to deal with. 
Yeah, you know, and people they kind of wonder why you're why you're not out at the boat landings, you know, all the time. And and uh, you know, I asked my crew what I could talk about, and they said, "Well, try and get uh, people to, you know, have each other pick up the garbage and things like that because we can't get out there enough." But uh, yeah, we work. Um, well, I work a lot with snowmobile clubs and ATV clubs. They do the bulk of the work um, on a lot of those grant and aid trails. So we work with sponsors. Um, but uh, we do have a bunch of horse trails. I was out with my crew uh, earlier this week, so we, we need to get those mowed, so we were looking that over. But our biggest, uh, I guess, need uh, or time time uh, that we spend out on the trails are on the Paul Bunyan and the Heartland. Of course, the Heartland goes from Cass Lake to Walker to Park Rapids, and, and the Paul Bunyan we, uh, we manage from, from Bemidji all the way down to Jenkins. And so you can imagine, uh, you know, all the... Uh, all the, uh, I guess, what do I call them, concerns that people have and, you know, when to mow and when not to mow and how far out to mow. And, and of course, we try and deal with the weeds um, that are not not desirable. And then, of course, there's root problems that uh, we're trying to get our arms around uh, because, of course, with these fan- a lot of these bikes with these really skinny tires, every little bump is, is a problem. But... Um, uh, right now we're gonna we're working on for next summer repaving a section from uh, Hackensack to Pine River. Um, we're looking at the culverts right now, and hopefully we have enough money to do that entire section. Um, otherwise, we're sealing. We contract out to do a lot of the sealing of the cracks. Um, in the last uh, ten years, we've replaced uh, just about every bridge, uh, re- rehabilitated them or uh, replaced. Um, because uh, they were all old railroad bridges. And, and when I got here, uh, there was a sign in the corner, four signs, and it said uh, bridge limit 1,000 pounds. And so I had my crew put those up real quick, and, and we looked at, some, uh, looked at some other ones that were older. And so, but it's been, it's been good. And the legacy amendment gave us a lot of money to, to, uh, to get out and help with that. And, and so now we just kind of finished up a couple down by Benedict last week. Uh, we had a contractor uh, put new decking on two bridges. And uh, so I think the bridges are in really good shape. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, stop signs. And, uh, you know, there's always something going on with uh, or, or it seems like every uh, summer we have two or three windstorms. And so when you have that m- many miles of trails, obviously there's going to be trees laying, uh, you know, on certain sections just about every storm that goes through. And so we need to get out and deal with that. And So you have, uh, you know, obviously lots of trails within parks um, and forests and other state-owned land, a whole whole networks of trails. But then like the, 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 the Paul Bunyan Trail or the Heartland Trail, I mean, you don't own all that land along the way. So how do you work out the deal where we're putting a trail across the front of somebody's property? Okay. Yeah, you know, most of the ATV clubs and uh, snowmobile clubs, quite a few of them, especially snowmobile clubs, uh, they get permission from the landowners to, okay. to go on. Um, you know, every year they get permission. They try and stay on state and public land as much as they can. You know, then it's more permanent and you're not rerouting a lot. Um, but fortunately... Um, like the uh, the Paul Bunyan and the Heartland, we bought those from the railroad. Okay, um, you know years ago, and uh, in fact, uh, it's uh, from Bemidji to International Falls. We also own that uh, the Blue Ox Trail, which is an ATV trail and a snowmobile trail in the winter. And so, for the most part, um, you know those trails are a hundred feet in width, and uh, of course, through a lot of the towns, they get quite a bit wider and different things like that. 
Um, so that is, a, as far as the management of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of easement crossings with uh, people kind of moving out into the woods and having to give them an easement to get across the trail. Um, but uh, a huge uh, commitment, I guess, is to uh, trespassing. You mentioned managing this. Um, there's all kinds of things that happen, of course. Um, but that's been a big one that I've, uh, you know, really kind of stayed on top of. Because if you don't, it's just uh, going to escalate and it won't go away. And try and approach people right away if you if you see something that is maybe going to happen, or uh, you know, or have my crew especially let me know as soon as they see something that's changing out there. Or, um, you know, we've had people cutting trees. They think everybody seems to, not everybody, but a lot of people have seemed to think that uh, oh, we own the we own the property right up to the tar, and uh, you know, and it's like, well, why did you think that? Well, my neighbor told me that. Well. <laughs> is your neighbor a surveyor or, you know, things like that. And, yeah. um, but it, so, you know, just trying to deal with, uh, there's all kinds of issues with, uh, you know, with uh, whether it's with thistles or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's, a, I can't think of a lot of them right now, but uh, every day it seems like there's something different that you're dealing with and uh, having to do a lot of surveys, of course, when, when there's a trespass and to find the exact line, we have to spend money to survey. and. Parks and trails, it's a big subject. Dave Shotsko, the area supervisor, is my guest. We'll wrap it up with Dave next. I'm Paul Rosedahl, proud to help educate Kevin Jackson on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. When planning your trip up north, plan to park your RV or camper at the spacious Grand Haven RV Campground in Bemidji. You'll be in the perfect area to ride ATV, fish, hunt, and hike. With free parking for your boats and trailers and located just off Highway 2 west of Bemidji, Grand Haven Campground is the center point for your next Northland adventure. Fish hundreds of surrounding lakes and cruising the miles and miles of the ATV trails northern Minnesota has to offer. Visit GrandHavenCampground.com and book your stay today. This is Dick Beardsley, and this is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Dave Schatz goes to DNR's Area Supervisor of Parks and Trails. We've talked about boat accesses. We've talked about piers. We've talked about trails. You know, i got to think, whether it be uh, with the boat landings, the fishing piers, the trails, when we're out there and we spot something that might be broken or not right, we can't assume that you guys know. We need to let you know, right? Yeah, and... You know, and, and the crew always says, yeah, we re- react a lot, and they're not wrong. You know, they're not wrong. Um, when you have that many miles of trail, and we have seven counties in my work area, that um, there's also an office up in uh, Hayes Lake State Park and Fergus Falls. That makes up the, uh, the northwest region. So there's two supervisors just like me. And mm-hmm. so um, just the sheer magnitude of, of the distances um, to, to – and, and the – you know, we don't have a lot of extra staff. Um, we keep building, for example, we built a bike trail. Now it's just about to freeze from Detroit Lakes. Um, so we keep building bike trails. We're trying to get from Emmaville um, up, to, up to Itasca State Park with another bike trail in the future here. Um, but we're working with the same amount of staff. And so you're just kind of stretching your staff a little bit thinner. And, um, you know, you need to mow two or three times a year the bike trail. You need to put the docks in it so if you... If you put the if you put a work plan together that just lists the uh, yearly occurrences, put the dock in, take the dock out, mow. Um, you know, all of a sudden you're down and summer's half gone, and you're not ready for the windstorms and and the, all the damage from uh, ice heaving on the boat landings. And um, you know, and then of course we like to replace a couple boat landings every year that are uh, 
are in bad shape just from old age. And then, for example, this spring we worked with the city of Bemidji, and they have a new fishing pier here now. Um, and then on Long Lake, they have another one also that was 31 years old. We had to replace that and working with them and spent a week putting it together. So, you know, you just kind of add all that up and uh, there's not a lot of extra. And then with, with staffing turnover and things like that, and we're short a couple people right now. And so, uh, you know, something got to give a little bit to try and survive another summer, so to say. Yeah. Um, so we talked about at the beginning of the year how we get everything set up. Now let's talk about the end of the year at the boat landings. Let's say we're having an extremely mild autumn. Do you feel comfortable keeping the docks out longer, or is there a set time you need to get them off? It's pretty much a set time, Kev. Um, you know, the crew is going to get laid off about the second week in November, just because that's all the money I have. to. Um, and then once the snow starts coming, there's not a lot of work for them to do. The snowmobile uh, clubs take over our state trails, for example, the Paul Bunyan and Heartland. and um, So they basically get laid off. And so so we need to somewhat backwards plan um, mm-hmm. that, you know, how long is it going to take, you know, if it takes three weeks. Um, and it's taken a lot less lately because we've gotten rid of a lot of floating docks. Um, they were very labor-intensive. We'd have to take our back out and two or three people, and if it was a windy day and um, so where with the roll-ins, um, it's a lot easier. One person can hook on with the truck and the winch and do it by themselves. So that saved us about a, about a week right there um, by getting rid of most of our, our floating docks. Um, they would go up and down with the, uh, with the water levels a little bit better, um, but we found that some of the people in wheelchairs prefer the roll-ins a lot better also because they're not quite as uh, you know up and down with the wave action. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Kev... Uh, you know, we know there's going to be ice on the lake at some point, and so we pretty much, okay, come October, second week or so, um, we we have to start because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, uh, you know, we can't, uh, all of a sudden, my crew is out there and we had a bad wind the night before and it was 20 degrees and the, the dock is has three inches of ice uh, covering the entire dock and I don't want them out there, uh, you know, trying to lift up the, you know, working on the dock in that kind of condition and so... And we obviously don't want them frozen for the winter. And come fall, you know, you can have a couple nice bluebird days, but then all of a sudden you have a week of, (laughs) you know, I don't like this job anymore. (laughs) And so I want to keep my crew coming back in the spring. And so uh, it's somewhat of a judgment call. And the crew just from year to year, they kind of know. And we haven't, if you get on the DNR website, we list when we take the docks out. Now every day we have a hotspot and and download that so people can kind of, because we get calls all the time, you know, sometimes a month before, uh, you know, the end of the season. And when are you going to take that dock? Oh, well, you know, it kind of depends on staffing and, uh, you know, how things go. If we have two weeks of bad weather and snow, you know, we might fall behind. So if I knew that, I would be doing a different job. But, um, you know, generally speaking, the in, getting into October, the, you know, we're going to start. Uh, and you can sure call us. Don't be afraid to call us if uh, you don't want to get on the website. But... But sooner or later, they are going to come out. Yeah, yeah. Dave, how did you get involved in this kind of work? What uh, made you interested in this? Uh, I guess my dad used to sell firewood um, to the state parks, and so we went to a lot of state parks. And then I ended up getting a parks and rec- a forestry degree followed by a parks and recreation degree. And um, I ended up working with a soil and water office in Mankato, and I liked it, And um, but... Uh, it wasn't a lot of room for growth there. I was at the top of the ladder, so to say. It was a small outfit, and 
and I always wanted to kind of get in with the DNR. And so something opened up in Tower, and I ended up there uh, for or for 10 years. I was over in that area, and, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I loved it, Lake Vermilion. You were, I mean, it was a it was a fun time, and out looking at all these things. I mean, you, and that's the nice thing. I maybe made it sound bad that I have seven counties, but it's. Uh, I tell a lot of people, uh, thanks for calling me about a problem. You know, then I get out of the office again. Um, but uh, and then I took a promotion over here, and it, it was a good thing. I became the manager and supervisor of the crews, and um, I think I like it more and more every year. Um, you know, getting to know the users, you're a direct conduit to the users. I mean, I'm kind of the first line where they'll call me and with concerns, and um, sometimes the phone just rings nonstop, but I sure enjoy hearing, you know, their real-life problems, and uh, the people are passionate. Um, you know, they have opinions about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, you know, I take the toilet, you took the toilet out too soon, or but, hey, it's like I only have so much money, and, yeah. uh, you know, or how you're mowing, or... Uh, you know, why the dock isn't longer, and if you can kind of, you know, be reasonable and kind of justify, well, here's um, some, you know, here's why we're we're managing it like this, and here's what we're doing, and um, it seems like they, you know, if once they understand maybe the backstory, it, and uh, I know I have a ton of people like yesterday, they seems like they all, a lot of people have you in their phone now, oh yeah, Dave knew the answer, or could find the answer last time, and you know, and, and uh, seemed to like what they heard and that we helped them out. And I just, you know, like working with the clubs and, for example, the counties all around here. I've, I've got to know, and by sticking around for 15 years, I've got to know all the county personnel and, and the city of Bemidji, for example. We've helped them with Cameron and Nymore. And uh, just, uh, I guess, all those relationships are probably the biggest part of And then my staff, of course, I, I uh, you know, they've I, since I've been here 15 years now, I've, I've hired all of those couple retired now so basically everybody that's here i've i've got to hire or help you know be uh the direct person hiring them and with a panel of course but so that i got to know them and and Mm -hmm. they're a great crew and just uh yeah just kind of really in the variety of this job no day is ever going to be the same i've been here 15 years and every day it's just something different it's just you never know what's coming at you especially the mississippi river we get a lot of calls about that and Mm -hmm people wanting to go from source to sea and uh and i had a guy this morning talking to he wants to go this fall yet down to the cities and of course the water is still pretty high which is uh you know last year i would have probably told him no um but this year you might be able to take uh, you might it'd be, it'd be a lot more reasonable because if you look at the water gauges on our website uh, the canoe and boating routes it's it's pretty high by itasca and then halfway down to bemidji it's still medium and gets a little bit low by the silver maple section right before Bemidji, but which is surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but just talking to all those people that are calling from all over the country uh, um, about canoeing the four canoe, uh, water trails that we have in the area and and just getting out to see all those things. Uh, we have 30 fishing piers. We work with cooperators and put those out. And But just getting out to see all of those uh all of those areas, you know, if I would have lived here and, and had maybe a different line of work or a different job, you know, there's 90% of that, uh, those places I would have never stumbled across. Sure, sure. Well, we, we've talked about some of them already, but uh, any new projects coming that we should be excited about? Oh, a new project. Well, we're getting four, four, kind of a little project, but we're getting four new docks on a couple of area lakes here. Um, I'm trying to think in this general area. Um 
the closest thing was we're working on a tunnel down by Itasca, oh. um, a tunnel under Highway 71. Um, it'll probably be next year the way it's sounding. But, um, so that'll allow us to continue on to, uh, to uh, Emmaville and then south to hook up with the Heartland State Trail and get people off Highway 71. So that's, that's probably the most exciting. We had a huge, busy summer, um, of course, with big sand getting done. And then we also uh, finished uh, like two miles uh, north of Tower, Tower Hill. We've been working on that for 15 years. Uh, basically, the old railroad grade went through people's backyards, and they didn't want that. And so the snowmobile club or trail we had rerouted uh, around everybody for two miles uh, oh, about okay. 20 years ago. But we figured we did some engineering work, and to, because of all the utilities in the, in the people's yards, it was the same cost to go over these hills. So we got five construction easements from five people to cut the hills down and and uh, ended up selling that old railroad grade uh, to 42 people all at one time. And so that was done. And then this, uh, this summer now we just paved it. And we uh, built it last fall, the contractor did, and just paved it, and we're going to open it up. Well, it's been opened up now. We're going to have the final inspection next week. Um, and then Clawson Avenue, of course, that's done already. It's not upcoming, but that was uh, another 15-year project working with the city of Bemidji. And if you've been behind Luke and South, you've seen that. Uh, we've mm-hmm. gotten rid of on-street parking and put the trail along the along the uh, boulevard there. And so especially for snowmobiles, that was always problematic. Um, the city uh, snowplows would plow all the snow off the street and then and then the snowmobile club would come behind and grab all the snow off the off the sidewalk and pull it back onto the road and so I was in the middle of that for quite a few years and so that's going to be uh, we had it last year actually the first year last winter and and uh, that worked out real well to get the snowmobiles off the uh, off the streets all right well talking about uh, the things that we t- take for granted as anglers uh, you know the, the boat landings and getting on the water and you know uh, riding the bikes and getting on the snowmobiles. Uh, Dave Schatzko is one of the key members of the uh, DNR crew that works on that, a area parks and trails supervisor. Dave, great conversation. A lot of stuff I never think about. Uh, I really appreciate you giving us the insight on that today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to the DNR. And we're glad to hear from you. That's it for today's show. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for taking the time. We will check in with you again tomorrow. we got some great shows coming up in the next couple of weeks, the final two weeks of Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Of course, here in the Bemidji area, we will continue with Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Thursday afternoons at 1 on 104.5 KBUN-FM and again at 8 a.m. Saturdays. And, of course, the podcast will continue as well. But if you're looking for your daily fishing fix, Enjoy it for the next couple of weeks. F-I-S-H-I-I-N, Paul Bunyan Country.